0: In case you missed it, my book, Anatomy of Abundance, hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine organization. Shine organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're joining me today. Uh, Today, my guest is Michelle Sejas. Michelle is a Latina leader on a mission to honor the generations before her and to liberate the generations to come. Her passions and values led her to begin her career as a bilingual education teacher. Over her 15 years in K-12 schools, she was a coach, elementary school vice principal, district coordinator, and a high school principal. During those years, a desire grew to pursue a doctorate. It was fueled by knowing that less than 1% of Latinas in the U.S. have completed doctoral studies. She earned her doctorate focused on solutions to the systematic devaluation of the Latino students. During a six-month sabbatical in 2017, she wrote a dream job description with no title, clear on what she needed to thrive in her professional and personal life. She re-emerged to now live the life she dreamed about, wrote about, put actions to, and continues to carry out with intention.
1: Welcome. Thanks for
0: having me. Oh, my gosh. So, when we discuss topics, you mentioned moving from surviving to thriving, honoring the sacrifice, resilience, and hustle of the Latinas who came before us, while also moving into the space they wanted and left for us to thrive with rest, abundance, and ease. Mm-hmm. And I know that's so much so easier said than done, right? But there is a way.
1: I mean, I I get coached on it. I coach my people on it. I go to therapy for it, but it's a journey. Yes. It's a journey that I'm happy to be on. Oh,
0: wow. I think this is wonderful. So can you share a little bit about this journey of yours?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I often start... Something about five years old is usually where the story starts. And I... I usually share, you know, when I think back to kind of what this unpacking, you know, metamorphosis journey has been, I really think kind of like the cocooning and the covering up really started like back around that time. I grew up in a Spanish-speaking household. Spanish was my first language. And when I started school, um, went to an English-only school and immediately rejected Spanish, started wanting to fit in. Now I would use the word I was trying to assimilate. And it became through my schooling years a lot of constantly grappling with I want to fit in and I want to be successful. But like, then there's also this reality at home that doesn't seem to be part of the conversation and part of like what's actually happening in the space. And, you know, a lot of what deemed for me to be considered successful has served me well. But I've also had to be on a journey now that started in college of really reclaiming what is my definition of success. And what does it mean to be successful while also completely authentic to who I am and not having to hide and ship, you know, move around and shift in other spaces to be able to meet what other folks think I should be. And so, you know, college was kind of this eye-opening experience of all of the studies, right? Women's studies, Chicano studies, African-American studies, Asian studies, all those things and like whoa, like these things that were kind of these thoughts in my mind are actually like the realities of folks of color. I just didn't have a language for it. I didn't know what all this stuff was. And so I really think that, you know, my early twenties was when this process of reclaiming began. Um, it's been an ongoing journey, but I think it's really been, how do I get back to that self that didn't feel the need to shift and shape mm-hmm. to fit spaces and also can still be abundant and happy and joyful and not actually unsuccessful and heavy air quotes because I didn't follow the path that was expected. So I could go on for a while. I'll pause there.
0: I know that's that's a lot. That's wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, 15 years as an educator. At what point did you feel this this urge to like reevaluate and shift and you know look at things again in a new light?
1: Well my body forced me to.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I do a lot of nervous system work now with clients and with myself, um, a lot of internal family systems and just have really learned how much our body speaks to us. And I'm sure my body was speaking for a long time, but it had to like scream at me for me to finally be like, this is not okay. Um, I was in my fifth year of principalship, thought at the time that I was aspiring to be a superintendent someday. And was already stressed out, but I would have these days I'd walk on campus and like love it so much. Like, I love teenagers. I loved being around high school kids, students, and would be like, but I could do this for the rest of my life. And so I really struggled with them. the days when I would walk on campus, be like, guys, at five o'clock yet? And it didn't make sense to me that I could love it so much and like struggle with it so much at the same time. And I also didn't know anything outside of K 12. I went straight into teaching out of college and had not experienced anything else. I didn't think that my skill set and my degrees were going to matter outside of that world. Lo and behold, what do you know, they did. And so anyway, the the specific moment is I remember I was home one night and you know, usually I would leave campus late, go work out or something, come home and then open my laptop and start work all over again. And I was sitting on the couch, had my laptop open, and I started feeling numbness in my left arm. And I remember pausing and being like, "Is this a heart attack?" And I just sat there and nothing else happened. I didn't feel anything. My body felt fine other than that moment. And I closed the laptop and I was like, I'm just going to go to bed because if I die, I'll die in my sleep. And I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I was fine. And you know what I did? I went back to campus and I had another day on campus and I did go to the doctor. I had an appointment, you know, a couple days later, I was like, you know, I should get this checked out, even though it seems like nothing was really wrong. They did all these tests. The doctor was like, You're perfectly healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And I was just like, Maybe physically, but like, I really think that was a representation of something deeper that's coming if I don't make a choice now. And even then, there was still that little bit of like, No, but I could stay. And then I was leaving campus to go to the doctor. And I'll just say a C suite person was walking by me and said, "Uh, Where are you headed? And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to have to miss the afternoon meeting today. I got to go to the heart doctor. And I explained what had happened. And they were like, part of the job. And I was like, no. I, first of all, could you at least be like, I'm sorry, but I don't want this to be part of my job. I don't want to be in a space where my humanity is dismissed in lieu of, you know, productivity and all these other things. So it was just a series of events that happened back to back where I was just like, Michelle, you need to like figure something out. And, you know, had my emergency fund for something happening. And I was like, this is that emergency moment. I need to figure out my life. That's the emergency. So I you know, announced early, I think it was like four months before the end of the school year, I announced that I was not going to come back, that I would wrap up the year, but they would need to start looking for someone else. Finished the year in June and had zero plan, but was like, it's just not this anymore. And I leaned into a sabbatical that ultimately brought all of the clarity and the possibility to dream about the life that's become. And lo and behold, there is a whole lot of life outside of K-12, and there is a whole lot that I could be doing with my skills and my experience and who I am, and I just didn't know. And so it was giving myself the space to really dream about it and lean into it that now has built this life and this opportunity to be in purpose and to be you know, serving folks of color.
0: Wow. To recognize that that was the emergency, mm-hmm. that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, it doesn't have to be I get laid off or... No, this right here is the emergency.
1: I'm laying myself off. <laughs> like I Exactly,
0: exactly. So how was it at first adjusting? Because, you know, we're used to a certain pace. I work in a school. You know, we used to the pace, the energy of it. So how does a sabbatical feel in terms of energy? And what did you have to do to redirect it?
1: So I was fortunate that one of my best friends had had a forced sabbatical for herself for four months that had happened a couple years before. And she had lost her job and spent four months on her sabbatical and she landed in like this dream role on the other side of it. So I called her and I was just like, okay, so what do I got to do to make this productive? How do I have like, cause I immediately went into like doing mode, right? You don't go from being like a high school principal to just like, I'm just going to chill. I was just so used to doing something and being on 24 seven. And she said, you know what? She was like, if you need to lay on the couch and watch TV for a month just do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, I can't waste this time. Like I got to figure out something on the other side. And she was like, trust yourself that you'll know when you need to start actually like engaging in something, but your body may need to sleep, may need mm-hmm. to rest right now and you need to just be able to trust that. So, it was helpful that I had her voice at the beginning of the journey. Because otherwise I'm sure I would have dove into like a million exercises and workbooks and all these things to try to figure something out. And I actually didn't own a TV, so I did not lay on the couch and watch TV. But what kind of slowly became the routine was I would wake up when I woke up, which is usually nine-ish, eight-ish, maybe lay in bed for a while. I would read, I would journal. I had this apartment that had like a window over looking like a bunch of trees. Sometimes I would sit with a cup of tea and just stare at the trees. And I would say that'd probably be like a good two hours of the morning. And then I started exploring plant-based cooking and I would cook these big meals and sometimes pack them up and then drive around and deliver lunch to people. I would just kind of start to think about like, what are the things I haven't been able to do with my life that I now have all this space for? Uh, I was going home and visiting my family more. I, I don't have children by choice, but I very much love being able to be a part of my niece and nephew's life but I hadn't done a whole lot of that. And they were still young. I planned their birthday parties and we had this big unicorn rainbow party for my niece, this big Ninja Turtle party for my nephew. So like I leaned into party planning with the kids. I was just being like creative and crafty and writing and all these things. And, and so, you know, I would, I emailed a bunch of people and just said, I'd love to hang out with you. If you let me buy you a cup of coffee, some of them knew me, some of them had no idea who I was. And a lot of people said yes. And I would send folks my resume and just say, hey, you know, if this helps you to help me think about what my life could look like, like here's a little something about me. And what ended up happening was little by little, people started kind of being like, well, why wouldn't you consider this? You should consider this. And and actually, can I pass you a project to work on? And so I started doing a little bit of like consulting here and there. But I also just started to hear people saying things that I had never thought were possible for my life that I was like, huh. I don't think I've given myself enough credit for the life and the experience that I have and and the strengths that I've brought to the work that I've done. And it was just a season of ex- exploration that like, all kind of came to fruition quickly once I was ready.
0: I think that's so beautiful because you got to just be present for so many things that mm-hmm. you had, like you said, that you hadn't been mm-hmm. able to do and haven't had the time to do. Um, so you got to do that and be that. I love that. That is amazing. Wow.
1: You know, the part I'll add to that is, you know, when we talk about manifesting and and all those things. And I come from the generation of the secret where everybody was like throwing things on the on the vision board. Here's my Mercedes, here's my diamond ring, all those things, right? Is what I would now say manifestation is, is you have so much clarity of what is meant for you that you say no to anything that does not match that to leave yourself open to what you're supposed to say yes to. During that season. I had plenty of job descriptions sent to me. I had more people worried about me than I was. You got to get a job by August. You got to get a job by December. And they were sending me the stuff and I would open it and I would look at it and I would say, thank you, but this is not where my life is headed. Thank you, but this doesn't feel like a match for what I'm dreaming about. And I actually was not applying to jobs. I just kept resting in this trust that like, I'm going to know it when I see it. And what ended up happening is I ended up launching a nonprofit in Oakland afterwards It was connected to a national organization. I had no idea about this organization. I didn't know who this woman was, who was the founder, but somebody sent me a text and said, I met this woman and I really feel like the two of you should connect. And they sent me a link to her website. I opened the website. It took less than a minute. And I said, I want an intro. Three weeks later, I was in Chicago signing a contract and we were launching a month later. It was so clear when that moment happened. But for four months before that, I didn't even entertain a single thing that was not in the realm of what I was dreaming about. I mean, there's a whole lot embedded in that around timing and all these other things too. But I just think that sometimes we get so stuck in wanting to force things to happen. What if we didn't force something to happen and we just gave ourselves space for clarity so that then we're ready when that moment comes?
0: Wow. Manifestation is clarity. And just not doing anything that isn't in alignment with that vision that you have and just staying, sticking with the vision. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we panic. Oh, but everybody else is doing, I have to do too. Or what are people going to say? Because I'm not making money or doing X, Y, and Z and I have all this time on my hands. But just trusting.
1: Wow. Mm Hmm. I mean, I have regular moments now. I'm not going to say I don't ever do it again. Transitioning into full-time business was a moment of also having to reset myself again because I was getting in that like, got to do a bunch of things mode. And I remember thinking like, Michelle, how can you put yourself back in that sabbatical state of mind and trusting again and focusing on clarity and all of that? So I'm grateful for those six months because they've been like a grounding force when there've been times in my life when I've been like, I can sense that busyness, that anxiousness, being impatient again. I have evidence of what happens when I slow down. I have evidence of what happens when I trust myself. And that is just invaluable now for me to have as an anchor forever in all of these twists and turns and seasons that will inevitably come like through the rest of life. And so I am beyond grateful for that and that I I gifted myself that.
0: So tell me, what kind of work do you do now with Latinas and other women of color and helping to, you know, to start living in their purpose and learning to trust?
1: Yeah. So during that season of the sabbatical, like, I really just started thinking about, like, what, again, like, I didn't hate K-12. What kept me there for that long? And how do I just do more of that? And what ultimately came to the surface was I loved mentoring and coaching. Mentoring young folks who would come into my office, like unsure of what they wanted to do with their life, or not able to really put language to experiences they were having. My door was open and I had so many teenagers that were regularly just hanging out in my office, thinking about like the first year teacher who was crying at the beginning of the school year, but then she, you know, decides to stay and is there five years later. You know, the, the administrators, the VPs who I would work with, who I got to sit with and talk about, like, what are your long term goals? What are you wanting? Let's try to figure out what your next move should be. How can I help you to get there? That is what I really loved. Like those small groups, those one on one experiences. And, you know, when I went into administration, I think it was more like, I'm going to fight the systems and I'm going to break all these walls down. And I, there was a season for that. But I think we have different places in the movement throughout our lifetimes. And what I had to, Come to terms with was like that season was over for me, and what it now means for me to be able to be like fully in social justice movement work is to really be the person who is behind the folks who are meant to be at the forefront now. So in my in the nonprofit world, I was so I was I ran the Surge Institute in Oakland, and the focus of the organization is um, supporting Black, uh, Latinx, and Asian Pacific Islander education leaders. So I really got to really lean into being that person that folks could call when they needed a pep talk or they wanted to strategize real quick because they were about to walk into an important meeting or they just needed somebody to remind them of just how amazing they were because they were having a tough day. And the more I did that work, I was like, okay, so this feels good. I'm getting to spend more of my time doing what I want to do, but I still think there's possibility to get even more into this purpose. So during those years, I also got certified as a coach and started exploring, you know, coaching on the side, as well as, you know, doing the work that we were doing in Oakland. And then the pandemic hit. And as somebody who was out every night at an event, a fundraiser or something, traveling all over the place, being at home, I suddenly had this time to sit and really deeply think about what I wanted to do with this like coaching work. And so during that season, I continued one-on-one coaching. I was still, we were still doing the nonprofit. We never stopped. We just kept going and supporting our folks especially supporting leaders of color. I mean, the pandemic was a time of, of intense support and need for communities of color who were being ignored in the midst of the pandemic. So it was like, again, being the support system for those leaders who were on the forefront of all that was happening. And I wrote a curriculum and I ended up creating the Chingona Sabbatical, which is the curriculum that is now a six month program for Latinas to find their purpose and build a purpose plan for their life and career. And I launched it and I thought, okay, I'm gonna put this out there and see what happens. And the first cohort filled up and I was like, oh, wow, okay, there's there's a desire here for people to do this. And I'm currently on cohort five, um, transitioned out in 2021. I transitioned out of the nonprofit space and moved full-time into business. Now I do one-on-one coaching for leaders of color, mostly in the nonprofit and education spaces, and then also run Chinguana Sabbatical, which is this program for women where for six months I realize that most Latinas are not going to be able to completely walk away from their job and their responsibilities for six months. So what does it look like to still give them protected time to slow down and turn inward and ask themselves the deep questions and dream bigger and then have a plan for how they're going to start to bring that to life? And that's essentially what we get to do. So every Wednesday night, we're together. There's a Slack channel for folks to communicate in between. You are meeting your fellow Latinas who are going to hype you up and not question you and be like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? But are going to be like, hey, I think that could be bigger. How can I help you? I want to introduce you to somebody. And you know, for some people, what they realize is I'm actually good right now and I am in purpose, but I've been trying to make it more than what it is. So it's a mix of experiences that folks have, but I feel so grateful that I've been able to create a space that helps. Most of the women are, are... other first gens like me who followed the path of success we were told. And then you have the job, maybe you have the house and the car and the family. And you're like, why does something still feel like it's missing? Mm -hmm. And it's because it's success that was not rooted in purpose. It was success that was rooted in what we were supposed to do and not what we are meant to do. Um, So that's the work that's been happening in the group coaching and you know, it's evolving and expanding. And I was sharing with some folks yesterday that I, um, I also do speaking And I've been partnered up with an organization and we've been doing Latina Empowerment Days. And so eight days around the state where we've been hosting events for Latinas to come together. And you know who's been calling me after these? Latina college students. And I'm like, who would I be today if I would have had an executive coach when I was 20 years old to guide me through the end of my degree and figuring out my career? And they're saying, I want to know who I am. I want to know what I'm meant to do. I wanna be able to say who I am and mean it and understand what that truly means. So I don't know, I'm exploring what this is gonna look like to have some version of this for maybe some like college, pre, you know, early career folks. So I still, I'm trusting that this is the purpose and this is what's meant to be. We'll see what continues to evolve of it. But that's kind of been the refinement, I would say, of of the vision and where we're at now. And as you know, there's always so much more work to do. But I think it's trying to figure out like, what's the part that's my work and not just the work.
0: Yes. Still yes. not
1: trying to burn out again.
0: Exactly. In terms of not burning out again, you're doing a lot, you're giving a lot still. What kinds of things do you do to to recalibrate? Are you still doing your work on your nervous system and, you know, making sure that you make time for self-care as well?
1: Yes, so I am actually working with a new therapist and this is like one of the questions uh, that she asked me and I was like breaking it down and I was like, gosh, it's actually a really long list. But I think it's just like, you know, we gotta have the toolkit, mm-hmm. like, cause I'm not gonna do all of the things every day, but it's like, how do you have this? Yeah, it's a long list, but I need different things on different mm-hmm. days. So I will say that like yin yoga has become a very consistent part of my practice. I try to go two to three times a week, lots of deep breathing, lots of stretching. As I've learned more about nervous system work, I was already in love with yin yoga, but then now learning about all the fascia stuff that's connected to it and being able to loosen that up and all the trauma and the tension and the energy that's stuck in our fascia. So I'm very dedicated to my yin yoga practice. You know, Meditating and journaling on my own, uh, moving into full-time entrepreneurship can really throw your nervous system out of whack because the consistent things you're used to on a daily basis, whether you love them or not, you have systems and procedures and things you're supposed to do every day and you're told where to go. And there's just this wide open space with you make get to make, you can do anything. You could also do nothing. <laughs> you can have a month that's like super abundant. You can have a month that's not so much. It's just so different. And it's like regularly figuring out what do I need. So breathing practices, meditation. Um, sometimes I'll sit down and journal before I'm going to start working on content to make sure like my energy, my head is in the right place. Trying to be very thoughtful and conscious of the fact that I'm not just putting stuff out there but people are actually reading it and listening to it and engaging with it. And I want to make sure it's a true representation of who I am and what I believe. Um, you know, so I'm attracting the folks who I'm meant to work with and spending time with my people moving to LA was very intentional in starting my business. It happened at the same time. Um, I have very close friendships here and I was like, I'm if I'm going to be working by myself and sitting at home all day. I need to know that I'm going to have community that's around me that I can lean into when I need it. Uh, My family is still a drive away if I need to, you know, if I want to drive home and see my family on the weekend. So I've been very thoughtful about the people, the environment, the supports in place. I meet with my therapist every week. I meet with my coach every week that I need in place. And just what are all, I call them the purpose supporting um, components that come into life. I've spent a lot of time, like I said, the purpose has always been there. It was just what is the difference between being in places that are purpose-sucking and they're sucking it all out of you as opposed to the places that are actually like purpose-supporting and are allowing it to flourish and to flow and to be ease. And so I've just been kind of building this life that's more supportive of people who are cheering on and, and encouraging it to continue growing and not necessarily that it needs to shrink or shift or change or turn into something that it's not meant to be. So There's more to it. But that's like the gist of what I think I lean into the most.
0: Wow. I want to go back to something that Jim said. You described the whole period of COVID and these different things, you described them as seasons. And I think that's beautiful because Mm. seasons do have an ending. And sometimes when we're in the midst of something, it just seems like we're never going to make it through. But I think referring to it as a season kind of gives it some boundaries. Now, the season could be six months. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the season is 12 months. But at least you you can look forward to a new season where things may be different.
1: Yeah, you know, I think we don't need to stay stuck in one place. And that's even related to our purpose, right? Like I tell folks all the time, just because you write a statement doesn't mean it's never going to change. I've, mine has shifted many times. The core of its essence has been there, but it keeps shifting and shaping because I learn more about myself. My life situation shifts. Different things happen where now I, you know, engage with it differently. There's nothing wrong with the season that came before, but it has, you know, there was lessons, there was experiences that have fed into the next one. And this one will not be forever either. Something else will shift and change and something else will happen. And it's like how do we allow ourselves to be willing to not be stagnant and to be willing to just kind of move with wherever life is taking us? And if there's a change that's coming, Just honor. This is really uncomfortable. I'm about to step into something that is not going to feel good probably for a while, but at some point it will feel comfortable. And, you know, finding that discomfort in the comfort or finding the comfort in the discomfort, I should say, so that it's so we don't resist it, but we just go with it. And so I think as much as I'm happy with life right now, it's not going to look like this forever. And I want to be open to, regardless of what it's going to look like on the other side, like I'm going to be okay with that. Because I know at some point it will always land me where I'm meant to be and with more abundance and joy and all those things, even if for a moment it doesn't feel that way or it's really uncomfortable for a while. But how do we just stay open to the fact that nothing has to stay the same?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing usually does. Even, you know, I like the way you talked about redefining things because we have this one static view of relationships, love, success, and, you know, it may be based in a fairy tale from when we were kids. And then the reality comes and we're like, no, no, no. I can redefine that for myself. I don't have to stick with the same definition that I had when I was 12.
1: Yeah. You know, as I, I've been leaning into internal family systems as like a structure for understanding like all these little younger parts of myself that still exist with me. And I do some of the, I mean, I'm very clear I'm not a therapist, but I do some of this work with my clients in terms of acknowledging that our past experiences are showing up with us every day today. And so. You know, that little five-year-old Michelle is still here. And so what does she need to still feel safe with the life that, you know, 44-year-old Michelle has built to still be here with me, but not stop me from continuing to move forward in the ways I meant to because I'm scared. Or I think of 13-year-old Michelle and some of the things that she heard and experienced that made her feel like failure was not okay. She's still here, but how do I help her to be a part of this journey and not be so scared of failure that I can't move forward as present day Michelle. So those younger parts of ourselves are there. They don't have to leave. How do I honor them, but also let them know, I've built this life of safety for myself. I have opportunity for calm. I have support that maybe I didn't have when I was younger that I can now offer to myself in this season, in this time, and make it be part of the journey. And not necessarily something that's wrong with it or something I have to get rid of, but just more information, more of the process that I have to engage in that is going to get me to you know that next level of manifestation, that next level of purpose, and being able to do the work I'm meant to do.
0: Wow. So if the listeners want to learn more about you, learn more about your coaching, how do they reach out to you?
1: Yeah. I am on Instagram at Thriving Chingona. And, you know, that's the community, our Thriving Chingonas community. I have a weekly email that I send out to the Thriving Chingonas. They can sign up for the email on my website, michellesejas.com. The folks who participate in the Chingonas sabbatical also get Thriving Chingona necklaces. And it's just kind of this idea to, to what you said at the beginning. You know, I, I talk about how we are moving from surviving Chingonas to thriving Chingonas. Chingona is just this really popular term that you hear A lot of folks say in Spanish, you know, chingona como mi madre, chingona como mi abuela, which basically is just like, I'm a badass like my mom and like my My grandma. And yes, but my grandma had to be a badass because she was escaping domestic violence in Mexico and had to pay a coyote to bring her and her kids across the border. My mom had to be a badass because she needed to figure out working three jobs or raising two kids and also navigating life with my dad, you know, with what they had. I get to be a chingona too. But I am not a chingona who is under the same dire survival situations that they were under. So what does it look like to still be a chingona, but not because of grit and resistance and hustle, but because I'm a badass because I figured out what it is to live with ease Mm -hmm. and purpose and to thrive. So the email list, the Instagram community, the coaching groups, all of that is us in service of we honor the past And the fact that folks had to do some really hard work to survive for us to be here, but my grandmothers didn't do all that for me to be surviving still. They did all that because there was a hope and a dream that on the other side, the next generations were going to be able to have more opportunity and abundance available to them. So how do I actually honor that? By stopping the hustle and the grit and the resistance and actually finding that ease that they would have loved to have had. And so if you want to engage in that conversation more, you want to be a part of this community, you can find me on my website, on the Instagram. And for the folks who are more in the professional space, you can find me at Michelle Sejas, EDD, um, on LinkedIn.
0: Thank you so much. Learning how to thrive and still honoring your ancestors. I think that's beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. So the listeners, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and tell us what you think. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.